I've worn your shoes. I've been there. And I know there's nothing I can say that's going to take it away right now, but maybe I can just take your mind off of it for a minute. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. And when we do, many of us, including me, well, we are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, we are talking about suicide. This may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com. You can also message us on Facebook and Twitter at Suicide Noted. Episode number 46. As always, I want to thank all of our attempt survivors who have joined us here, as well as all of our listeners around the world. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to help out, well, keep doing what you're doing. Listen, let folks know about it. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. And finally, if you'd like to help us out with a financial contribution, our Patreon link is in the show notes. We've got a few different tiers, and we'd love your support. Today, I am talking with Mike, a.k.a. the Smiling Viking. Mike lives in Wisconsin, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good today. How about you? I'm I'm okay. Um, I I appreciate you asking that. I wasn't expecting it. I'm all right. This podcast (laughs) helps me along, you know? I understand that completely. It it does help a lot to talk about things and stuff like that you're dealing with. What's up with the Smiling Viking? What a great name. When I started to do my uh, YouTube and Reddit thing, it was just Mike the Viking. I came to find there's actually quite a few profiles with that name. One of the things that I I wanted to do first off, uh, it wasn't just to start an outlet for myself, but when people would come to watch or people would come to listen and and see things, I I wanted to give people a reason to smile. Mm. You don't wake up every day with a reason to smile. And if it's the ability to see some chunky, hairy man give you that reason to smile, <laughs> that's what I yeah. wanted to do. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's great, man. That's great. Where are you, by the way? What state are you in? I'm in Wisconsin. Boonies of Wisconsin, basically, but uh, we're covered in snow right now. I'm maybe a good two and a half hours from the Michigan border. Appreciate you responding to me and joining me. I really do. Hey man, this uh, it, this kind of came from left field, but it, it was it was one of those things where you know it's it's an opportunity to go on to someone's platform and tell us tell your story and and help people, and that definitely that's something I'm I'm big into. That's what I do everything I do for my streams and my videos. So, so I don't know much about you and your story uh, a little bit. Tell me about your attempts. Let's just dive right in. 
or your attempt. I don't want to, is there more than one or just there's one? three? I actually, I've had three major attempts in my life. Now there's, I've actually listened to uh, a few of your other uh, recordings on, yeah. on Spotify and stuff. And so it was able to help me identify certain things that were attempts and certain times that were just thoughts in your head that, gotcha. you know, Oh, I don't want to be here anymore and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm born and raised in Alabama. I was raised in a little city called Loxley. My mom and my father were never actually together. They kind of hooked up at a party. He was 14. She was 18. He lied oh. <laughs> and said he was 16. So he should get himself, which right. is the most oddest way I could be about it. You know, he's a young, horny teenager. Pretty, pr- pr- pretty mature in some ways, given when I was 14, there's no way I'd approach an 18 year old. Never no. in a million years. No, man. not in a million years. So they ended up, you know, hooking up and they were never actually together and stuff. And before it was even the idea that she was pregnant or anything, he already hated her, didn't want anything to do with her, didn't want anything to do with me. So automatically I'm kind of born into the world where, you know, it's the kid who wants his father, wants to make his father proud, but doesn't even know who the hell his father is, was kind of the situation I was in. Yeah. My mom, she never really got out of the party life until I'd say a few years into my life. But my first attempt, I was nine years old. I don't think I was born with depression, if I'm going to be completely honest. I think I was born, you know, kind of just as this chubby, happy kid. And I think that's what a a lot of us, you know, kind of wish was the truth that that before it all went down, we Mm -hmm. wish that we were happy. Yeah. And my first attempt, it, it stemmed from uh, abuse from actually, uh, I met my father for the first time when I was eight. I had been diagnosed with ADHD, also uh, bipolar, and I, th- I think a few other things as well. I was a whole little shit basket. <laughs> That's right. what and, I was. <laughs> and were you, in a, were you in Alabama at the time? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't uh, move away from Al- Alabama until maybe 23 or 24 years old. So I meet my father for the first time and he kind of, he wants to be a part of my life. My mother is, I was kind of always the black sheep, even at that age. Uh, she loved my little brother more, which, you know, now it's the thing me and him are t- as tight as could be. So it's not really something I was ever really jealous about, mm-hmm. but it was obvious who was the favorite son. So my mother had kind of at eight, eight and a half years old had kind of given up on me. She was like, he's rowdy. He's crazy. Let's send him to his dad's because now his dad's willing to be a part of his life. And at that time, your dad's what, 22, 23? Yeah, I think he was 22, 23 years old. He decided to step back into my life because he had gotten another female pregnant and he wanted to actually be with her and raise this child. So he was like, you know, I should take some responsibility. And I commend him for that. You know, that's it may be a late time to step up to bat, but you're there. Right. That's about the only thing I can really commend him for being as young as he was. He, he still had a lot of that rowdy, not really ready to take responsibility teenager in him. That first few months, everything was fine. And then it it started to be actual abuse. It went from a couple of spankings to now being hit in the face, being slammed Mm. into walls. And mind you, I was an eight year old, eight and a half year old kid. Yeah. And these are the things that was happening to me. And I think the biggest straw before everything, before my actual first attempt was, uh, and I know you'll probably remember this. Uh, you remember when Blockbuster had the VHS 
tape, those hard plastic fucking tape yeah, things that they had wrapped around him. Yeah. He would spank me with those. Oh, that was that was one of his favorite weapons. One of the worst nights that I had with him, he used one of them to spank me and it actually cut my backside open. Mm. So I was bleeding and I had to, he basically told me, get in the shower, wash the blood off, go to bed. Mm. That was the deal. But I would switch houses back and forth, you know, every interim weekend or whatever, you go back to your mom's or you go back to your dad's. And I went back home to my mom's house. And at the time um, we were living with my stepfather my stepfather, he was, he was, I wouldn't call him abusive. He was more just prone to having rageful fits out of nowhere, but it wasn't really abusive. He would just scream and yell. And even then that's not really something you want in an environment for children. Yeah, sure. I'm nine years old, man. And I don't know how to talk about this shit. I don't know how to let it out. I don't even know what words to say to try to tell my mom, hey, my dad's hurting me. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I, the thing is, is when it comes to attempts, when you actually try to do it, you remember those nights and those moments very vividly. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't want to, it's, it's one of those things that I can instantly go back to and I can, I can see it. I can feel it. I can remember how the air tasted and mm. everything about it. What I had done was it's maybe 1231 o'clock in the morning. My mom works at a, a sex shop three or 45 minutes down the road from where we live. My stepdad's out in the living room and I want to talk to my mom so bad. I just, I just want to talk to her. I know tomorrow it's Saturday morning. I have to get up. I have to pack myself. I have to go to my dad's house. And I just, I want to talk to my mom. I want to beg my mom. Don't send me there. Don't let me go, please. And in the midst of all this, my stepdad catches me awake. He spanks me, obviously, which the thing is, is I kind of being a nineties kid, I guess we were you know, now we know it's like, it's not okay to spank a kid, but being a nineties kid, we're sitting there and like, that was our punishment, man. <laughs> like we, we got spankings and shit like that. That wasn't abuse to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so he spanked me and he sent me back to bed, but I didn't actually go to bed. I, I stood at the washer and the dryer in the hallway and I, I cried for just 45 minutes silently, just begging for her to come home. And when she didn't, you know, being nine years old, I don't think I really understood the weight of what I was about to do or what I was going through. I just thought, I think at the time, you know, if I'm dead, I don't have to go. Mm. And it's a, a futile attempt. But once again, I was nine. I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I took a shoestring out of one of my shoes and I wrapped it around my throat. And then I wrapped it around my bedroom door and I sat down and literally choked myself until I pass out mm. and it ended up coming untied. Once again, I'm nine, man. I don't know what the hell I'm yeah. doing. You know? Sure. Yeah. So my first attempt that that was my, my real first one, I blacked out. And the craziest thing about that one is I had never talked about that maybe until four or five months ago. Wow. That's yeah. One I, I kept to myself because the other two, you know, they, they come many, many years apart. I mean, my second one was 17 and my last one was as recent as two years ago. Mm. The reason I never talked about that one is because I could never really, I could never really put into words what it was like being a child 
an actual child and wanting to die. I didn't understand these things. Yeah, of course. It, it had kind of started beforehand because, you know, just just from listening to everyone's stories and the things that you may have experienced, you know, it's a buildup. Sure. It, it piles on. Like, I, I believe a lot of my depression, a lot of my tendencies or my thoughts, they stem from the abuse I experienced from my father. Mm-hmm. Sure. My mother, on the other hand, she, well, she wasn't really abusive. My mother was more, I would say, neglectful. Right. It was, I mean, man, living bad combination. Uh, yeah, it's a bad combination, Mike. Let me ask you a question: Did anybody find you? No, you were nine years old. It was just you kept it to yourself. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. I kept it completely to myself. I woke up laying on the floor in front of the door, yeah, and then just kind of went to bed. I just, I, I, it didn't work. I mean, I, I didn't really know what to do, man. I, I'd felt so weird after it. it it's one of those things i think when i finally woke up and i came back to it was more along the line of what just happened what was that the thing was is i think why i didn't automatically try again was because it hurt it was painful you're already in pain you don't want more pain exactly yeah you didn't try but so here's what's interesting to me is uh i don't know if interesting is the right word but yeah you're nine life is not going well so much so that you decided that night, that particular night to do that, right? Yeah. Doesn't work. You go to bed, you wake up. Nobody knows. Life is still the same, more or less, I assume. It's Next day, exactly your my exactly. life doesn't magically change. Your mom's your mom, your dad's your dad, your stepdad, yeah. blah, blah, Alabama, all that, right? But yeah. you don't try again. No. Or at least not for several years. So not for several years. No. Uh, I'm just curious. I, I don't think there's an answer. It's more of a sort of thinking out loud of, huh, what was up that night? You know what I mean? Like why that night? Whereas all the other nights you were dealing think, with stuff, but I'm, you know, what was up? Do you think? I think that night, if, if I'm going to be completely honest, it, it's, it's odd to say it, but it is a turning point. Yeah. It's not a turning point in my life specifically. It's more of a turning point in me. Whilst I didn't try during uh, the next few years, during my early teenage years and stuff. Yeah. I became, I would say more reckless, more combative. It only got worse. If I'm going to be completely honest, my father became exponentially worse, but it was because of the fact that whilst, you know, the, the beatings and stuff I had earned beforehand were still, while I was sort of uh, tolerant, the older and older I got, the more I wanted to stand up for myself, the more I wanted to, I would scream and yell back and, one of the big ones that he absolutely, and, and this is something I've always really, really kind of hated him for, is I was an AB honor roll kid when I was 10, 11 years old. I was, I was on the right path, even though it was a path that was me sitting there saying that if I get good grades, then everything will be fine. And it wasn't. It never was. Mm-hmm. But I remember I got my first C in – I think it was fifth or sixth grade. It was basically, that's when it really took a turn was like, Oh, I, I now looking at it, you know, you see a C on your kid's report card. You're not angry at them. You tried, you've accomplished something. You made it somewhere. Sure. You didn't do your best and you can do better. Mm-hmm. That's about where it's at. But a C with him at that age, man, oof. He, I, it, it got to the point where it wasn't just beatings and, and stuff like that anymore. It was almost his version of in-home military training from then on. 
one of his favorite things to do was to make me take a 25 gallon concrete kind of like pour bucket thing and I would have to hold it halfway full directly in front of me. What? I could not drop it. I could not heighten it because that would relax the muscles in my arms. Did anybody step in from social services? Did anybody know? Nobody ever stepped in. I had a stepmom. I had two younger brothers, man. They saw this. My stepmom never said a word. And of course, it ended up being years later, I would come to find out that he was abusing her as well. Yeah. So that's why she never did anything for me. I, I hated her my whole life until I knew the truth, what was happening. My father was a different breed of, of just anything he could use to find to punish you. He, he would do that. He, man, if you see, like you see the Viking thing, I was raised lower Alabama, man. There was no chance I wasn't anything but Baptist. I had to be, I was raised that way. But this guy would literally, my father forced me to read the Bible as a punishment, man. That was his, this, he was that deep into being that much of a, it's an easy way to put it, but he was, he's an asshole. <laughs> like there's no way, there's no other way I can really say it. Yeah. No, man. I mean, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole, right? Yeah. Period. So if you don't want to be called an asshole, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Pretty straightforward, right? So nine years old and then 17. So now you're like, you're a teenager, young guy, yeah. young man, so to speak. What, what happened there or then? <sighs> okay. This is, this is probably typical trope. I meet a girl. Yep. I meet a girl and I fall in love, man. And, and, you know, it's, it's young, dumb, stupid love is what it is. <laughs> That's you're, you're 17. It's the idea of, Oh, you'll you'll kiss me and, and and we'll do dirty things. Oh, yes, I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> That's where it's at. Powerful, man. Yeah, it is. It's very powerful. <laughs> From the beginning of the relationship, she's actually very physically ab abusive. Really? Um, oh, yes. She, I, I do believe, I was seventeen, going on eighteen. She was twenty or twenty-one, somewhere around there. Something in your family with the older women, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you said also you're you're not a little guy? No. Yeah, I'm a pretty big guy. So tell me more about when you say something like physically abusive, you know, it just it makes you think, oh, wait, huh? Mike's not a small dude. What's up with that? So tell me. I'm curious to learn more about that. I would say since I was 15, 16, I've sat around 220. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've been kind of a more physically imposing type of guy. Right. And it's not something I use to my advantage. I'm, I sit here and I can honestly say I'm chunky. I'm also slow. Run. <laughs> like that's right. where I'm at. <laughs> you run, I'm going to run out of breath, man. That's the deal. I'm not. Right. right. We can beat you in a race. <laughs> yeah. So this girl, so when you're 17 and she's 20 and, and you're a pretty big dude. So you were saying part of the dynamics of the relationship was that she would be physically abusive to you. She was very physically abusive. She like, maybe weighed 115, 125 at the most. Right. So she's half you. Yeah. She's half of me, man. And she's punching me in the face. She's trying to yeah. stab me. She's, she was a vicious little thing. Wow. How'd you respond to that, man? That's gotta be very confusing. Cause you know, <laughs> there's a reason you're with her. That's probably positive stuff. Oh yeah. Well, there, there, there definitely was. I mean, when, when times were good, they were good. That's, right. that's just what it was. Yeah. But that goodness maybe lasted two, three months into the relationship. Right. 
we met, um, we kind of started talking over the phone. I ended up going all the way to West Virginia to be with her. Wow. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. 17 years old. And, and mind you, this is, you know, my family is already like, let him drop out of school, let him run. This is once again, it points to kind of like, I wish I could reach back in time and be like, what the hell was wrong with you guys? Like you could have reined me in you could have done something. Yeah. You know, even if I would have been rebellious, which I was very rebellious, you could have at least shown me that you weren't going to be neglectful about things. But it, it was once again, it felt like it was just a moment in time where my mom was like, Oh, I can get rid of him. Fine. Bye. Go be in love. <laughs> That's kind of how it went. Um, so Alabama to West Virginia, Alabama to West Virginia. Yeah. Get the girl, get the girl. First two weeks together. Uh, when I'm actually there, we're really happy. We're really good. She basically says she has this little friend who has some marijuana. We can go smoke weed and be happy, mm. you know? So I'm like, yeah, I'm 17. I've, I had been smoking then not religiously, but I had been smoking since I was 14. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hell yeah, let's, uh, let's go smoke and stuff. She ends up making out with the guy and basically sleeping with him right in front of me. Wow. And I was just, I, man, I, there was a point in time of standing up for myself, but there was also moments where I would completely shut off and feel so small and so insignificant. Even as a big person, it's, it's now I feel like I'm one inch tall. Yeah. This kind of continued, but I ended up running back to her, uh, her parents' house or whatever. She ends up getting there. And this is where it really starts. This is the, the slapping, the hitting, the, the screaming, the cussing. The worst injury I ever got from her was about six months in. She heard me trying to talk to my uh, grandmother about coming back home, to which she responded by taking my cell phone and busting it and my head together. She basically threw it at my forehead as hard as she could. And I ended up with a kind of a one inch gash on the left side of my forehead. Mm. She was violent, very violent, but it wasn't even just against me. She was actually violent against her whole family. Mm. She tried to hit her mother with a frying pan in front of me. She, she was a violent, different type of person. You alive right now? Is she alive right now? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, she's alive. <laughs> because you can't be that way forever and get away no. with it. Usually, usually, Maybe it's a little different for women than men. I'm not sure, but yeah. you pull that shit long enough and someone generally kills you. Yeah. Someone generally. Well, the, the truth is, 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 is as much as I don't wish any of this shit upon anyone, yeah. uh, I would say about two years after we broke up uh, and I sent her back to West Virginia, she actually had a guy almost beat her to death. That's wow. actually, that's true. She ended up having his kid and everything. And, and the thing was, is, you know, I, I want to feel bad for her. Of course, I don't wish that upon anybody. You don't yeah. deserve to be hurt. Of but at course. the same point in time, it's when you, you, get when you, you hand get. out. Yeah, you hand out certain things, you're going to get them back. I think so, man. Not always, yeah. but often, often for sure. No, definitely. Basically, so my second attempt, we come back to Alabama after everything goes wrong up there. She comes with me. Okay. We get in this kind of screaming match fight one night. Yeah. She was abusive through the whole relationship. That never stopped. Mm -hmm. And I'm one of those guys that, you know, I've been abused since I was eight years old. I can kind of roll with the punches. I can take them. Mm -hmm. It's not something that's really going to turn me away from somebody. We get in this screaming match one night. 
she ends up calling uh, a guy who I thought was a great friend of mine at the time. And he comes and picks her up. They disappear and dip off. She ends up cheating on me with this guy. Damn. My best friend at the time who is also friends with this guy is sitting there on the phone with me at this point in time at like two o'clock in the morning telling me they're screwing around right now. He's like, dude, I don't know what to do. I can't go in there. I can't say stop it. I can't do shit like this. And and I'm like, I completely understand because that's not his place. You know, sure. now my best friend has been my best friend my whole life. I've, I've loved that man since I was 11 years old. I'll never stop loving him. He's my brother. He's always been there to kind of check me in certain moments or gas me up, which is he's a big part of me doing YouTube was him wanting to, you know, be like, you can do this. While I'm hearing this, I end up going into uh, the bathroom at my mom's house. As I told told you before, I was diagnosed with ADHD, bipolar, and stuff like that. So for half of my life, I was on a drug called Adderall. Yep. And I took the 30 milligram capsules daily. That's what I took. And I absolutely, I, I'll tell you right now, man, I fucking hate that medicine, especially for kids with ADHD. It's, it's, I know it, it affects people differently depending on mm-hmm. who you are. But it turned me into a zombie, man. I mm. didn't eat. I didn't Interesting. talk. I wasn't active at all. I would literally just sit in one spot all day long and just not be there. Mike, man, these drugs are so interesting. Uh, I use that word a little bit too openly, yeah. broadly. I really liked that drug and it worked for me. I didn't abuse it. I yeah. don't remember why I was prescribed it, but you know, you're dealing with your psych stuff and your doctors try shit. Oh yeah. Um, it kind of made my brain feel better. I can uh, understand that. And there's a there's overlap here with I don't, actually I haven't talked about this much on this podcast because it's not really about me. But I ended up in my like early, maybe when I was around thirty, doing a good good amount of cocaine for a, a year or two. Yeah. And it, it, it 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 there was a lot of overlap with those two drugs, Adderall and cocaine. There was something about it working with my brain. I was like, yep. You know, so interesting that your, your experience was really different. Here's the thing is I'm continuously prescribed this medication. So my mom can take it from me. Ah, that's what's going on this whole time. So see, I'm, I'm getting mine, but she's also taking a few off the top for her. And actually what you're saying was more, she liked it because it sped her up for me, man. It would shut me down. Yeah. Different brains, different. Something's different. Yeah. On this night, particularly, this is 20 minutes after I've listened to my best friend. Mind you, we're 17, 18 years old at the time, man. He's actually crying on the phone about what's happening to me. Mm. But that's why I love this guy so much. And he had left and he had walked maybe 20, 30 minutes away from it because he couldn't put up with it. And I hang up the phone. I sit down in the bathroom and I down maybe a little bit over half of what was left in in my prescription bottle, which I would get 30 at a time. So I downed 15, 16, 17, however many 30 milligram Adderall capsules swallow them. I'm in such a panic as to what's happening to me in this moment. It's not even an actual attempt in my head. Mm. It's not even me going, I want to fucking die right now. It's not even me going, let me kill myself. It's just, I'm so angry and so let down by everything that it's just like, fuck this. Just take them. Just take them. them You got to like do something, right? Yeah. You don't want to, you just, you got to do something. It makes sense to me. 
that's what I can really say about my second attempt is it is a panic attempt. Yeah. It's, it's more along of one of those where you just, you have to do something. You don't know what it is, but you just, you do it. Yep. I down all these pills. And in the middle of this panic, I have my second panic, which is, oh shit. I just swallowed 15, 16 pills. For sure. So instantly I'm shoving fingers down my throat. I'm trying my best to stop all of this from happening. What ended up actually happening, and I'm very lucky for this, it's another moment where I end up blacking out. Mm-hmm. I didn't puke at first. I ended up blacking out. So whatever thoughts were in my head was, uh, I'm about to die. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's about to go this way. Mm-hmm. Instead, what actually happens is, is when I black out, I bust my head on the side of the toilet and I land in a perfect position to start puking all of this shit out while I'm blacked out. So I puke all of it out while I'm asleep. And then my brother, who was there at the time, and my brother was maybe, he's 14, 15. He kicks open the bathroom door. When he kicks open the bathroom door, it slams on the other side of my head, wakes me up instantly. Oh, man. So he's sitting there, and he doesn't, you know, I'm kind of able to lie my way out of that one. And so he doesn't say anything. So I can be like, no, man, I, I puked and I blacked out. So I just slammed the door shut. He never sees the pills. He just knows that I puked on the floor. I'm not doing okay. Could have died on the puke though, no? Yeah, I could have. Yeah. But I just, I had landed in that perfect position. Yeah. I don't know if it's lucky or not, but something helped you out a little bit for sure. Something something made sure that I didn't go that night. And with the life I'm leading now with where I'm at now, I'm definitely happy that none of my attempts worked. Right. Yeah. That's a good spot to be in, man. Yeah. I mean, how old are you? I am uh, 29 now. I'm going on 30. You got through that. And then about, I'm doing my math in my head. I'm not much of a math guy. (laughs) About 10 years go by. At that, yeah. And you make in at this point, you're you've gone from Alabama to Wisconsin. Yep. And if I could be wrong here, if I had to guess, I'd say that Mike in his early 20s meets a woman in her late 20s in Wisconsin. Am I wrong here? (laughs) No, actually, um, Mike at 19 meets a. 17 year old girl in Alabama. Mm-hmm. And I completely fall head over heels in love with her. The first few years of our relationship is great. We stayed in Alabama until I was, like I said, 22, 23. My first child was born. I have a boy and he's born two days after my birthday when I turned 21. It's one of the best birthday presents I've ever gotten in my life. I bet. I bet. But we hit really hard times. It's I'm not good at working. I can't hold it down as much as I want to. And that's something I can I can easily admit, you know, working at at making money at at any kind of job. Almost. I I was good at construction when I was a teenager, but it was mainly because I was driven by just wanting to succeed, wanting to beat everyone who had ever doubted me, everyone who had done me wrong. I wanted to win. Wanted to win. It's such a weird thing about being me, I would say specifically, because I can't speak for anybody else. Such a weird thing about me is that when I'm happy or when I'm okay is kind of when I start to fail at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's when I don't do good at work. It's when I don't do good at the things that I, I want to be doing is because for some reason, happy me is a very unfocused, very undriven. Interesting, man. Yeah. We have a good relationship for a while, but things start to fall apart. We start to fight. We start to argue. Everything just goes wrong in Alabama. And and part of me starts to feel like everything that's around me is kind of like a poison. Mm-hmm. And I'm siphoning it. 
slowly, but it's, it's affecting me in such a bad way. And I end up, uh, ultimately I end up being right, which is weird, but it, it ends up being a true thing. I had to get away from my hometown. I had to. Yeah. Our first move is to Fort Scott, Kansas. That's, that's where we end up at. That's pretty random. Yeah. It was, well, it was mainly, she had a general manager job for Dairy Queen and, and that was a good opportunity for her to go. So I said, screw it. I'm going with you. You have my children. Yep. You have two kids, three kids at this time. I have two kids, two kids. Uh, We end up having a a baby girl uh, Mm -hmm. about six months before we head to uh, Fort Scott. Got you. Once again, just the two absolute love loves of my life, just without a doubt, are those two. And we get to Kansas, and I start to have a major fallback. And this is something that I hope I have fixed in myself, something I hope that never happens again. I'm very insecure when we get here. I'm very – I start talking to other women. It's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life. I start messing around on her and I, I, it's one of those things where doing stuff like this, I, you have to be real. You have to admit even your own faults. That was one of my biggest flaws was I started to become a player who already had a home life. I already had kids. I already had a love that I could spend the rest of my life with, but it just, Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that was like, this isn't enough. You Mm -hmm. need more. You, Mm -hmm. you need constant validation. I start talking to other women. I start making a, bunch of shitty excuses as to why I don't look at my phone. Don't do this. Don't do that. Of course, she ends up finding all of this out. She's they're smart, man. There's, there's no way around it. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's the truth. And it, 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 maybe it comes probably up. weren't very good at covering it up. No, not, I was not good at all. Yeah, I'm sure she's very smart, but she probably didn't have to be that smart. It was probably like, <laughs> right. It's probably pretty, pretty obvious. Yeah. There comes a point in time where I find out that she has started a relationship with one of her coworkers. She is planning on leaving me. And even though now looking back at it, I can easily say that, it, you know, I pushed her away. I did that. Yeah. At that moment, I'm sitting here. Why is this happening to me? What did, what did I do wrong? Why does shit keep going this way? And eventually she ends up in the middle of the night. One night she tells me that she's going to take the kids to get food. About four hours later, she never shows back up. She, oh, she never she, comes home. She left you. Oh, yeah. With the kids. Yeah, with the kids. She took them from me. Whoa. Yeah, in, in the middle of the night. How old were you at this point? I was 27. This was and, two years oh, ago. This was Kansas or Kansas? This was Kansas, yeah. I was still in Kansas, and this is before I had started to move up north further. Got you. So these kids, because you said, you said loves of your life. Yeah. All right. Sometimes when people share stuff here, I never assume I can't understand or get it because I'm different. Just yeah. I don't assume, but people say something. I'm like, I get it, but I can't imagine that. I don't have children, and I yeah. cannot imagine truly. I'm not trying to be like uh, dramatic here, but that feeling, what that must be like. Oh man, I you got to be more homicidal than suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but there was no one around to, to kill except for myself. That was the issue. I Someone's got to die. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Someone's got to take the fucking brunt of this, man. Right. Like, that's where I'm at. Nothing, but, right. Something. And it was in you were alone. Yeah. I'm left alone in this house. I don't know where I'm at, man. You know, I mean, we've been there for a few years, but 
I was the stay at home dad. I took care of the kids. That's what I did. When I say these kids were my whole life, I mean it. I mean, waking up to going to sleep. It was all about them. Mm. Walking my son to school, taking my daughter to preschool. It was every waking minute. I potty trained my daughter, man. That was, I was there. It was all me. So that night she takes the kids, uh, you know, it gets to be a few hours later and I, I'm, well, I'm okay. I'm going to start calling. I'm going to start asking questions. I'm going to start seeing, and I'm not getting any answer. I'm not hearing this. I'm not hearing that. And she eventually answers. And I find out that basically, yeah, it's over. She's taking the kids. This is, this is it. This is how it's going down. Her on the other end is basically, you're going to do what you're told and mm. that's going to be it. She's got leverage, bro. Yeah. She's got major leverage. Instead of accepting that, which, you know, I, I kind of just accept it over the phone. It's like, okay, yeah, whatever you say, just please, whatever I have to do. And it's that back and forth, but eventually it ends with a, just a giant no. So phone call gets hung up. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time, she's got two big brand new bottles of antidepressants. I take... God, I don't even know how many, man. I know, I just know one of the bottles at full had 80. And I just, I took as many as I could. Like it was. I bet you, did you pass out or were you in pain? No, this one, this is the one that actually, I started to get very, very drowsy. For some reason, there was still a part of me that even after what was happening, because I started to reach out in the middle of it, man. Mm-hmm. I, I took as many as I could. And then I just, I started making phone calls in this really drowsy drunk state. Mm-hmm. I'm calling my best friend. I'm calling my brother. I'm calling my grandmother. And it's, I, I think it's the idea that part of me wanted to say goodbye. My best friend, it's something I can't really explain about him. He, he made me want to stay firstly mm-hmm. was what it was. He, he made me want to stop all of it because he just, he broke, man. And I'd, I'd heard him cry before, but I'd never heard him break like that. It's, it's one of those people that you have throughout your whole life. It's, it's, and a lot of people can epitomize this one. It's, it's like your grandfather, man. You know him your whole life. And it's that one day where you see him break, kills you. It just absolutely, it stings so much to watch that. It's like the strongest person in your life. And you see that crack in the armor. Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. Mm. And and you were part of the reason why he broke, right? Yeah, I was. It, to, it killed me to know that I was the crack in his armor. It was me. Mind you, me and him, we sort of lived similar lives. I mean, he was he had a great family. He was always rich. But in the idea of the the path that we went down, we got with our significant other around the same time. We had kids around the same time. Mm-hmm. We, did the band thing our whole lives, trying to play guitars and play drums and sing and shit. Always right beside each other when it came down to everything. It's it's actually so bad that I think it was literally until until he got married and until I moved in with my ex that my actual grandparents thought we were gay. That's not even a joke. Awesome. We were that tight. So my folks thought I was gay, but it was just because I had a hard time meeting girls. They're like, come on, man. You got yeah. you got some game. Bring. To, yeah. I was like, guys, it doesn't mean I'm gay. It means no. I I can't meet women. I think there's. Yeah, I'm, a, not, I'm not good with it, man. It's hard. I'm not good with it. Give me some help. Give me some tips. <laughs> yeah, tell me something. Like I need help. Yeah. My good. No, I completely understand that, man. So your thing was like, 
you know, sometimes I'll ask people if you wrote a note, like that wasn't your thing. Yours were, I don't know if the word's impulsive, but you know what I'm saying? You, you, yeah, all three of them, if I'm looking out. back, they were like, yeah, yeah, maybe they weren't well thought out or thought it, out it at all. It wasn't well thought out at all. No, there was no thinking to the process. It was more along the lines of where I was at at the moment was, yeah, I want this to end. And if no one else is going to end it, then I'm going to. This time, though, at least one person, or actually more than one, because you said you made more than one phone call. Yeah. There were people in the world who knew Mike tried to end his life. Yeah. How, how did they respond? Uh, but also, how does that part end? Like, do you go to the hospital? Do you um, tough it out? Whatever that means? No, actually, the ending is to do with the, with the, the phone calls. So right. whenever you're really, really depressed, one of the things that I absolutely hate about my depression, and this is something I know that a lot of people deal with, with depression, we aren't alone, but we put our walls up around ourselves to protect ourselves. Yeah. We push ourselves away from people even further. And therefore we give ourselves that thought that, okay, I'm alone. You put yourself there. You don't allow someone to step anyone else to step in and help you. Right. It's during these phone calls. My grandmother breaks, my brother breaks, my best friend breaks. These are three people that, in my state of mind with my depression, where I was at, what was going on with me, I didn't believe anyone gave a shit. Mm. I didn't believe anyone cared. And now I hear three people that don't really break. I hear them breaking for me. I'm becoming the thing that's a chink in their armor. Right. You're killing them. Yeah. I'm not just killing myself. I'm killing them. My grandmother, all the way from Alabama, she calls the cops. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, in that moment, suicidal Mike is like, fuck you. <laughs> Why did you right. do that? Yep. Looking back on it now, I'm grateful. I'm so yeah. very happy that she did that. Yeah. The cops get there. My brother, who's living in South Dakota at the time, literally just picks up half of his shit, gets his car ready, hits it to Kansas within six hours. He Damn. just takes off, man. He gets somebody to watch his kids instantly, and he's gone. He is on his way. We were very vicious to each other when we were younger, very mean, very loud, very angry. And now I, I, couldn't, I couldn't live a life without that guy. I, I just – I love him to death. So There's something he, so powerful when I hear stuff like that where yeah. someone just stops and uh, takes off. And that's and really – like good. everything else matters less right now. Yeah, not not shit else mattered to him. There's something so damn powerful about that. Not even gonna try to put it into words. It's just like no. I guess that's what love is, right? That's yeah, what it is. that's what it is. It's it's really the moment. I, I think really it became one of those things where I always saw him as the little brother, but when I needed him most, he was the hero. Yep, he was up and on his fucking way, and I, I have so much love for him for that. He's just, I'm, I'm so proud of him now and everything he's accomplished. He's become such a great fucking person. But I think that was one of those moments that kind of led him to where he's even at now because he was at a bad moment himself. But the moment he saw me lower than him, he said, fuck it, man. I may not have much rope, but grab on. That's the thing that I think uh, it's not, I, I think about this podcast and other stuff, like some people who are in pain, one of the ways they can get, a little less in pain, right? I'm sort of yeah, careful yeah. is just helping other folks who are kind of like them. They get it. 
Exactly. And so I don't know exactly what that looks like. And it's not always realistic or feasible, especially now, but that little stuff can make a difference. I'm tangenting a little bit, but it just makes me think about that. Yeah. It is a big thing uh, about doing this. You know, I think if you talk to, which, yeah, this is, this is your, your thing, man. This is what you do talking to these people. You can hear how uh, a lot of them will have stories about how they were always the the person who gave advice. They were always the person who tried to do this and do that, but they couldn't fix themselves. Right. That's one of the biggest things. It's why I love uh, certain things that I love. Like I will, I'll say this. One of my favorite comedians in the world is a guy named Bo Burnham. I know Bo Burnham. Bo. I I love him to death, man. He's, Mm -hmm. he's so talented, but he, he had this special uh, maybe two or three years ago. I think it was called make happy. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the special, he in one of his songs go, he said, basically, watch the skinny kid give you the thing he can't give himself. Mm. He's he's making other people laugh. He's making other people smile. He's making them happy, but he can't do that for himself. And that's one of those. Yeah, it's one of those things that when you see it, you're like, or, or you hear it, you it, it clicks something. Yeah, it, it, oh, it's yep. like, OK, that's what I've dealt with my whole fucking life. That's who I am. I'm that guy that something's going wrong with your girl. Yeah. I can do this, do that. You want a girlfriend, do this, do that. But at the same point in time, if you know, Hey man, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I can give you that. But if I'm going through the same damn thing, I'm not going to listen to my own advice. I think I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, That's where I'm at. Even yeah. if it will work for you, part of me feels like I'm a dumbass for saying it. Yeah, it makes me think of all the people and a lot of people on this podcast will tell me, you know, uh, people in their lives, go go to the quick fix, the fix. Let's try to solve this. And I want to say to all of you out there, this is not Mike. This is Sean. If you're a fixer, check yourself. We, yeah. we, we believe for the most part you mean well, but and hey, OK, but check your stuff because you uh, you might be doing exactly what what we were just talking about here. <laughs> yeah. You can't fix your own stuff. So you just throw it on others. Yeah. You know? And that, and, and that's another thing. That's, that's another way I look at myself is even if I'm handing out advice or, or trying my best, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I try to make it clear. This isn't going to work for everybody. Right. You know? Qualify it. Check. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, if it were that easy and Mike had advice that would just work for everyone, we'd know it and we'd already do it. Yeah. None of us are that fucking smart. No. It's always unfortunately, hey, it may not work. Yeah. It's not a quick fix, probably. You so did you did the cops take you to where'd yeah. they go? What, what happened? I, to the cops? I ended up going to the hospital. Yeah. I ended up going to the hospital. I get my stomach pumped. I spent maybe seven, eight hours in the hospital altogether. And this is mainly because of the fact my brother gets there. Yeah. And he feels like he can help me. So his instant response. And when, it, when he hears this, cause I'm alerting him to it, whether he likes it or not, when he hears this, he's going to be like, why the hell did you say that? But as my brother, he gets there, he's sitting in the hospital with me before. And it's the same thing. I have a zoom call or like a, an online meeting with a psychiatrist. And this is to decide what happens after I leave the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's the next decision. So my brother's sitting there. He goes, you lie your ass off. You tell her that you were okay, that you just did a stupid fucking mistake. You don't want to die. That's it. So 
that's essentially that's truthfully that's what I did. I got on the 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 computer call with her and I told her that I took all of those pills because I thought if I took enough of them I could actually be happy. She did not believe that, did she? I, I, I don't know if she did or not, but I didn't end up getting put into a home for the next 72 hours. You didn't get committed. So yeah, like, I didn't get committed. Call, whatever you call it, right? Yeah. I get out of the hospital. I go back to my little uh, three-bedroom house I had with her. I pack all my shit, and I end up moving to South Dakota then. That's literally – I, I wish I could say that that's just how that ends, but, of course, there's two kids in the mix. That's not how that ends at all. Mm-hmm. it ends that's my last suicide attempt of course you know i'm still dealing with a lot of the downfall from everything that happened that night yeah where are your wife partner and kids at the time are they in kansas as of now they are back in alabama they have went home right. so i i live here uh in wisconsin and wait why'd you go from south dakota with near your brother i guess right to yeah. to wisconsin uh moving in with him in south dakota i actually end up getting I would say my first successful job, like, like my really first successful one, I start working at a factory in South Dakota. It's a pig factory. Mm-hmm. And wow, I'm good at it, man. Like that's, that's good at it's doing, one of what? Doing what I, I, I cut ribs. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm cutting pork ribs all day long. Damn. And I'm really fucking good at it. I bet, man. That's like, if I had a hundred <laughs> guests, I, I don't even, I mean, I obviously know that job exists, but yeah. Man, reminds me of Rocky. Remember the, that's an old movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah beating on the fucking guy. on the on the cows and shit. Yeah, you're cutting. All right, good. Hey, you know what? I don't want to sound trite, but it's good to find shit that you like or you're good at, man. Oh yeah, that helps. It's a lot of things, man. It's finally it, it's such a weird thing. Like I said, I'm so different from other people. I feel at the end of the day, it's one of those jobs where. Uh, for some people, they'd be like, oh, this took my fucking soul. God, I hate this job. Me, man, I'm essentially a cog in the fucking machine, and I'm the whole reason this bitch is still working. I'm proud of myself. You know, yeah. That's where I'm at. Yeah. This is, a, you know, and, and working at that company, man, th- that company made it anywhere from fucking 13 to $15 million a day. And I'm one of the reasons why this is happening. There may be a few hundred of us here, but I'm one of the reasons. Yeah. So I'm proud of myself, man. I'm working my ass off. I'm making good money. I'm, I'm doing everything right. And I've kind of relied on this kind of sentiment for myself for a minute. Now, the night, my last attempt, the night of my last attempt was a night that I needed. I I don't want to say it that way because I don't want to you know, ever kind of get somebody to be like, okay, well maybe I need to do the same thing. No, don't you fucking ever don't just don't Mm -hmm. try. Mm -hmm. But for me specifically that night, what I did was I feel like I killed a part of myself. I killed Mm. something and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was part of my burden. I don't know if it was one of the weights that I was carrying, but something died. And then when I moved to the next spot in my life, I was a fighter. I was winning. I was doing what I needed to do. It is Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> it was nothing. Nothing could put me down, man. But I end up talking to, and me and her have been together for a year and a half now. I end up talking to, the, to a person who has been through a lot of the things that I've been through. She has a very abusive ex. Mm-hmm. She's been through a hard family life. But 
she's really strong. She's resilient. She's responsible. She's got a son of her own and she is moving up and she is fighting. It's weird that it's no longer, I think once you reach a certain age, it's no longer about like the leagues of a woman's looks. Now it's the leagues of her spirit. Yeah. Can she match my energy? Can she hang beside me? And she can, she's pulling punches right fucking next to me, man. That's what I, I see in this girl. I see a partner. I see a warrior. If I hand her a sword and a shield, she's going to fucking stab somebody. And that's all I need. <laughs> that's... She... And so is that part of the reason why you went to Wisconsin? Yes. Essentially what happens is. Well, how are you finding all these women several states away? <laughs> what are you doing? What happens here? Okay. Um, I end up going on a little mini vacation. That, mm-hmm. That's that, while I'm working uh, at Seaboard, while I'm, I'm dealing, doing my port thing. I, I mean, I'm making a thousand dollars a week. I want a fucking vacation. So I'm going to take one. I get up and I, I figure, you know what? I'll go to Wisconsin. I'll, I'll check some shit out, man. Part of me doesn't want to believe in fate or, or things that are destined to happen. Part of me doesn't want to believe that. But I walk into a subway. And she's the pretty girl behind the counter making sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Her eyes. I, I think that's one of the things that she hates any guy to say about her. She's dude. She's got almost jet black hair, porcelain skin, baby blue fucking eyes. I'm talking actual baby blue. That <laughs> shit shines. So as soon as I walk up to the counter to make my sandwich and what to ask, you know, what it's going to be and stuff like that, or, or to order it, I get to look at her and it's like, Whoa, hi fucking diamonds. Where did they come from? <laughs> like that was what it was. Was that, like. was that your line? I think so. It was, it was, it was her eyes, man. Mm. It was, it was finding diamonds in the sand. That's, that's literally what it was like. That's what it was for me. She lit up like nothing else. And on this little vacation, you know, I, I flirted with her a little bit and stuff. Of course, you know, just the, the amount of time you can to be in a subway. Right. <laughs> you got to eat your sandwich. You got to go. Sure. Don't flirt with the girl too much. This is her job. It's fucking yeah. weird. Right. <laughs> it's one yeah, of those don't be, that, don't be that guy, please. <laughs> yeah. But before I leave, I know in my head that when I go back to South Dakota, I'm seven hours away. I know that. I know that I'm seven hours away. I'll, I'll maybe never see this girl again. It would be stupid to waste my fucking chance. She smiled at every little thing I've said. And maybe it's just because she's paid to. Yeah. But she's, she smiled. She's laughed. She's giggled. Fuck it. Give her your number. Walk away. That's what you do. You just give her your number. Don't even ask for hers. Give her yeah. yours and walk away. Can't, can't hurt. No. So ended up giving her my number. And... Here we are a year and a half later. We're living together. We're rocking shit out together. We we do the best we can. I mean, I'm in a probably the happiest relationship I've ever had in my life. She's the person I've I've never trusted anyone more than her. Huh. And she's actually got my back. Kids are in Bama, the two kids. Yeah. You've bounced around, man. Yeah. I've 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 covered half the damn country. Yeah. <laughs> so does she know? Does she know about my attempts? Yeah. Yes. I'm always curious to know like what people talk about, who they tell, how people respond. Because people get weird around this shit. Oh, yeah, they do. You know? They definitely so. do. It will, It was one of those things that, because I got COVID 
in November. I actually, I actually ended up getting it in November. She oh. had it right beside me. And I was working at a factory here called Aero Global. And there we would make, uh, you make safety latches and safety handles for bus drivers. All right. So you stopped parking, doing the pork. Yeah. yeah I stopped doing the pork, moved up to Wisconsin. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I'm not doing a seven hour drive every uh, Sunday or something like that, you know? Yeah. So I get this job up here uh, making safety latches. Uh, and I had that, I think for three, four months, I get COVID Whilst I have COVID, I um, I get the original, like, t- I think it's, they say two weeks, but we all know it's more like 10 days. So you get the 10 days out of work and stuff. I had almost a whole month of symptoms. Wow. So in the middle of me supposed to be going back, they just took it as I quit. Boom, I lost the fucking job. So in November, me and her are talking, and I've always wanted to do YouTube. I've always wanted to try to build something on there, but I yeah. don't know which way to take it. Right. I get that. I you get know, that. I'm like, do I do some gaming shit? Because I play a lot of games and it's like, no, that's everywhere. Do I do some, do I do a reaction channel? Because reaction channels are taken off. No, that's fucking everywhere. Do I talk about what's happened to me in my life? Do I talk about what I've been through? Do I tell my story? And do I try to help? people just like me Mm -hmm. i don't see that a lot no that's not something that's around everywhere and instantly she's got my back she's fully 100 with me and and mind you this is she knows now but 80 percent of my story she didn't hear until it was on video on youtube man right 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 you know but she's 100% 100% backed me up and she's, she's even stopped me from kind of leading astray with it. Cause I'm kind of, you know, I'm making it a little bit, you know, I've got a few people who watch a few people who show up and stuff, but it's still okay. Now I want to do gaming things. Now I want to do this. No focus on what you're focused on. Focus on what this is about. This isn't about succeeding and and making money this isn't about doing this or doing that this is about being heard and helping other people smiling biking so of course i'll put a link to that oh yeah the youtube channel right yeah and so when did you start that i started that in november i I do believe my first video was november 12th i think so so i'm only a good three four months in and how often are you put making videos? I'm trying to do a video. I'm trying to do uh, two videos every week, usually right. Tuesdays and Fridays. Cool. That's, that's when I want to put them out. Depression is a lifelong boxing match. Right. That's literally yeah. that's the way I see it. In some matches, in some of the rounds, you're throwing punches and they're landing and you're winning. But then in other rounds, you're getting your ass handed to you. There'll be, you know, I, I especially doing my streams on Reddit because I do steady streams on Reddit as well. I try to do those every morning, but there'll be, you know, some days where I'll get up and I can't find the drive. I can't find the push. I'm back in that dark corner of my mind and it says, okay, maybe not today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day. So my schedule while I want one is very, very sporadic. It's good to have you know, the backing that I have from her and, and kind of from the people around me, she is, she's a backbone, man. She really is. It's one of those things where when it comes down to it, I want to fold consistently. 
I'm <laughs> sitting here doing this YouTube thing. And while it's not taking off the way I wanted it to, you know, you're telling yourself the whole time, fuck, I'm going to fail at this too. I'm going to fail at this too. And no, I've got that steady spine behind me constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes a difference. Yeah, it really does. Keep going, keep trying. And she's a major part of the whole picture, even if she's not in the videos. That's, that's one of those things that I can definitely say she's, she's there for me, man. And when it comes down to it, there's been moments where I've sort of almost pushed her away or been like, no, I don't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to do this or do that. But she, she doesn't really make me, she kind of, she gets me to open. You got the one man. Yeah. I I got that one. Who's, who's able to kind of, she's got the key. She, whenever she needs it, she can use it. Yeah. A couple questions. What is one, maybe two, if any, I mean, you may not have any myths. Are there any myths where you want to call bullshit for, and say, nope, that's mm. just not true. This one may have been brought up before. Uh, there's, there's a big possibility, but sure. I've, I've hated this one since I was very young. I hear, and, and I know you've heard this before. A lot of people say it, the coward's way out. Right. Is it a moment of weakness? Yes. 100% it is a moment of weakness. There's no way around that. But at the same point in time, I have reached that moment of weakness because I have fought so fucking hard. Yep. Yep. That's you, you can call it a coward's way out. But at the end of the day, man, I have bled. I have cried. I have tried. I've done everything. And now I have reached a point where I go, shit, this may be the only way to end the fight. Yep. You know? Yeah. It, I mean, that comes up from time to time, Mike. Where I, I, we, we as a culture generally sort of worship people who fight hard and as a result, get a promotion, win a race, even get the girl, whatever. But we don't tend to say you fought just as hard to just keep plugging away. Stay alive. That sort of brushed aside of uh, whatever. It's like, I can, I, 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 for me and every single person, I believe certainly most that I've spoken to, they fight just as hard. Exactly. Just as hard, maybe harder. I don't know. I also have a slight form of epilepsy that I've dealt with for a very long time in my life. I don't have seizures consistently, but I will have a seizure maybe once every year. And essentially, when you boil down the science behind epilepsy, you have your brain and your body wanting to kill each other. Mm. That's that if you if you boil it down to its most basic instinct, your brain wants to kill you. And, And it sucks, but it's it's a misfire. It's something goes wrong and it stays. And it's another way for me to look at the idea. Like we're talking, it's a battle, it's a war, but you're at war with you. Yeah. And there's, there's no stronger fucking warrior than yourself. There's, there's, there's no other enemy you're going to take on in your life that is going to be as strong as you are because you will take yourself to the limits. You will take yourself way past anything you could ever actually take. And at the end of the day, when you lose to yourself, man, that's fuck. Yeah. That's deep. That's, that's something that that's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. Absolutely. man. Another thing, which Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen this a lot lately and I don't, I don't really know if it's a a myth or not. And this is the thing I, I, I wish, you know, I don't really deal with it myself, but when I see it, I, I hate seeing it from other people because you want to reach out and you, you want to do something, 
but I've, I've seen a lot on Reddit. I see it a lot in certain things that you'll see people who say, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Don't offer me advice. Don't try to help me stay the hell away. And it's become this thing that I've, I've actually named it pessimistic loneliness. That's what I call it. Instead of accepting any form of help, you just, you wall yourself off. You, you keep yeah. yourself away from everyone. Yeah. And to me, that's one of the hardest things I've ever seen these, these people go through, man. And I'm going to tell you right now, being on Facebook and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. I want to see a lot of people be depressed. Now I, I go to Reddit and I'm reading suicide notes from 15 year old kids, hmm. you know, and it's, that shit's heartbreaking. It, it really is because I want to reach out to that kid. I want to say something. Cause it's like, man, I've worn your shoes. I've been there and I know there's nothing I can say that's going to take it away right now, but yeah, maybe I can just take your mind off of it for a minute. Do you try ever? I've tried multiple times. I, I have, I've, I, I'll go on to the, the subreddits and I'll answer people's questions. I'll, I'll try to do whatever I can, man. I actually, I have a few um, guys who are dedicated viewers now who started as people who would come into my inbox and ask me, you know, how do you feel about this? What do you think about that? There is actually a kid from, <clears throat> I think he's, he's from somewhere around Afghanistan. He asked me how I would deal with being a gay teenager in a country that doesn't accept it and would kill him for his sexuality. Mm. That was one of the, fr- and that's the depression he's going through. He can't come out to his mother. He can't come out to his father. He can't come out to anybody because it could end up being this horrible reaction. Yeah. And yeah. he actually, he, he watches my videos consistently now. You know, I, I think awesome. I've helped him a lot because it went from being stuff like that to us being like, Hey man, I love you. I hope you're having a good day. That's great, man. Really amazing. Right. Oh yeah, it is. It is. It's interesting that you have this thing that you're doing. You just did it. Like you could just do stuff. People ask me, what about the pie? I'm like, I don't know. I just did it. Yeah. Why? I I mean, I just started doing it and you learn a few things as you go. Right. Yep. And you just do it. And it's it's kind of just what happens. It's like, fuck it. What's the worst thing that could happen? Exactly. You know, I'm what I'm going to end up somewhere a little bit better than I'm at now. I'm yeah. going to end up with some more knowledge. I mean, yeah. fuck it. You just go for it, man. <laughs> and along the way, you help a kid in Afghanistan, yeah. or maybe one in Wisconsin or who knows. Yeah. Where. And there's people that hear your stuff that they'll never even reach out to you, but you don't know. No. You're probably helping them out. A little, hey, that's that's exactly why I'm doing it, man. Yep. That was one of my biggest things. When I, when I started all of this, my main goal was me sitting there going, if I help at least one person, yeah, at least one. Then I've done something right. You're doing something right, bro. Got a little growing base, which I'm happy about. Makes oh yeah, good that more people are hearing it. So, what would you want to say? Well, you've said a lot just in sharing your story. Yeah. Um, is there anything you'd want to be like more direct about to tell or share with anyone who's hearing this podcast? My biggest thing I want to let out, and, yeah. and this is what I've learned majorly from my my last attempt my last experience and this is something i I want everyone to know you aren't alone Mm -hmm. you just you you're not i i I know you think you are i know you've put up these walls to protect yourself and i and i know it's dark 
I know it's scary. Mm. And I know 100% it fucking sucks. But at the end of the day, there is someone and it, it could be your mom, your grandmother, your sister, your brother, your best friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. It could be anybody, but there is somebody. It's hard to tell the person you love the most what you're going through. It's hard to tell somebody who knows you what you're going through. And that's because you're afraid they're going to judge you. You're afraid they're going to tear you apart. And that kills you. That's scary. That's horrifying. You don't want the person you love to be the one to judge you. But at the end of the day, one of the things that has saved me, one of the things that I, I love the most is there is this whole giant, crazy fucking world out there. And it's full of strangers who will listen to you. Mm-hmm. It's full of random people who will show you love and they don't even know you. They've, they, they, if you think for five seconds that you are a burden, someone will pick up that weight guaranteed. Mm-hmm. I, I can literally almost guarantee that. Just call, just reach out. I know we're all stuck at home right now. And I know it fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. We don't have the outlets that we had a year ago. But a random person on Reddit, a random person on YouTube, a random person on, on, on Facebook, a random person on a podcast, reach out. Do you think at this point with all the stuff you've gone through, all the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. What is the, what is the, what's the likelihood or the chances that you might try again? Where I sit after every memory that I have, and, and when you're dealing with something like this, they don't go away. Right. They stick, man. There's there's permanent fucking glue. It's permanent marker. It's it's written. Actually, to to compare the way I think, there's an artist, a, a rap artist named NF. Mm-hmm. And he's got a song called Mansions. And in the song, the mansion is his head. It's his thoughts. Every room is something different. It's your shame. It's your guilt. It's your fear. It's every different room. And it depends on what you put on those walls. Mm-hmm. I've walked through my mansion. Mm. And at the end of the day, I think my chances of trying again are slim to none. I see what life can be if I try. I see what life can be if I push. Do I still hurt? Am I still depressed 80% of the time? Yeah. Mm. But I also sit here and think in my head that I can wake up tomorrow and the sun could shine on me. Something could be different. Something could change for the better. That's what keeps the thought in my head that, no, I'm not going to do it again. That moment of weakness is never going to find me again because I've seen how strong I can be. I've seen what I can do. I've seen what I can get through. And it's one of those things that I can, I can tell myself, look at what I've endured. Look at what I felt. Look at what I made it through. And I'm still standing. I can keep fighting. Yep. Thanks, man. Anytime. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining me. Thanks for sharing so openly. And uh, yeah, just doing all the stuff you're doing. I like the fact. I'm glad that you didn't just come on talking about how great everything is. I can't. One, it would be a lie. But two, <laughs> I don't think that's what actually resonates most with people. Not that they want to hear hours and hours of the details of someone's suicide attempt. Now nah, they probably don't want to hear that. But you, I just feel like if you want to help people feel a little less alone, those are part of the conversation you can't skip over. So I appreciate that. When I first got the message from you and 
I started to look at, you know, I looked at the stuff on Spotify. I, I listened to quite a few different ones and stuff like that. It was one of those things where I was like, okay, this guy isn't trying to make this multi-million dollar podcast. <laughs> Correct. He's trying, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he's not, really he's not one of those guys who you can tell from the sound of someone's voice or looking at someone that, okay, this guy does have a soul. He's not in it for the immorality or, sure. or the money, right. which you're going to see from a lot of guys on YouTube and stuff like that, man. I can tell when I look at somebody, you're fucking acting. I can tell, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. That's not yeah. who you really are. You can tell when you look at people or, or listen to them or talk to them. When you message me and when I listen to your stuff, it was like, okay, this guy, it's not, he's not making it about himself. He's not self-centered. He's trying to actually let these people tell their stories. He's trying to let them open. Mm. And it was really, man, it was, I listened for maybe a good two and a half hours one night. I just sat here and listened to back, back to back stories. Right. And I was like, thanks. I I was crying at certain point. We're just finishing up. I appreciate you listening and, um, and, uh, and sharing what you did about my, you know, the way I try to roll. I make pe- my goal is to help people feel a little less alone. And it sounds like uh, that yours is as well, at least one of them. Yeah. So no, that's where I'm at, man. Just a little bit less alone is does a lot for somebody. Right. It to- 100%. 100%, man. And uh, hey, yeah. And, and hate, hate, hate to sound uh, trite, but I'm glad your three attempts were, uh, they didn't work. You're here. And uh, even if you weren't doing what you're doing on YouTube, I'd be very sort of glad that you're still on this earth but maybe even more so so uh i'm sure your youtube channel and the reddit are doing are helping people so oh yeah good man well thank you you're doing the same brother trying all All right right. be be strong and uh hopefully we can uh, reconnect soon you you as well man thank you very much you have a great day take care mike take care man As always, thanks so much for listening and special thanks to Mike the Smiling Viking up in Wisconsin. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Reach out, please. Hello at SuicideNoted.com Facebook and Twitter at SuicideNoted We really appreciate your support. We hope you continue to listen. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.